0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. The title of our message is, My Conduct in the Household of God. And I've been talking about a series and and teaching on a series uh, that I'm still laying the foundation for with this particular message, is that God wants us to be very, um, very, very spiritually, let's say, spiritually confident and aggressive and bold. That's what he wants. And we were, the series is called Preparing to be Spiritually Aggressive, and we, we need to be aggressive against the, our spiritual enemy, uh date uh Satan and all his uh demons and and uh things like that, uh we need to really believe God that what he says he will do. And regardless of what Satan says that is not gonna happen to us and all the things he says that's gonna happen to us is bad, we have to be aggressive to tell him what he's not gonna do and tell him what God is going to do. And see, you can't, you can't do that, what Ms. Harlow said. You, you can't do that if you don't have faith in God. You can't do that if you don't have boldness. You, don't, you can't do that if you're not aggressive. And, and um, so, Ms. Harlow, she was watching the 700 Club, and she said, You know, he says, well, Let's pray and start praying. And, and she believes that, Hey, God can heal me. He's healed other people. He can heal me. I'm going to believe God for my healing today, too. And, he, and he, you, you've probably done it many, many times, but this time was a time that he came through. You know, <clears throat> and, and that's what boldness does. That's what assurance does, uh, confidence in God does. It causes us to continue to come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace in time of need. And so that's what we need to, to do. Let's uh, start. In Timothy, we're gonna go to the First Timothy. We're going to chapter three, and what I want to do is, and the reason why I'm going to Timothy is because it has something in it that I said, oh my goodness, this is this is really good to um, continue with this foundation here. See, the Apostle Peter and the apostle Paul and and they were used by God tremendously. You know, so you have uh Apostle John, have first John, second John, third John, half Peter have Paul. But Paul wrote most of or uh, was used by God to pen or uh to uh direct or to uh, let people, other people write, and he uh, dictate most of the epistles in the New Testament. Most, of, most of them, most of the epistles. We have the Gospels, but we still, uh, when you look at it, you say, "My goodness gracious! How many of these things did he write?" Because we have twenty-seven books in the in the, in the, um, in the New Testament, and so how many was he responsible for? And uh, some say about thirteen or fourteen, and that 's a lot of that 's a lot of epistles, and so he must know something to be used by God in that way he must know something, and of course we know he knows a lot, but we know the Holy Spirit was using him to write uh, write these repent these things so I said, well, God, what is it about let 's go to this thing and um, see what Apostle Paul is saying. So the theme of Timothy, first Timothy, Paul gave in chapter one, chapter three. Let's let's go to chapter three first. Chapter three. Let's go to three. And uh, chapter three, I want to start in verse fourteen. I want to start there, and then we'll go back to First Timothy, chapter one. Now, let me read it to you here. It says, "I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long." So he's writing to Timothy, writing to Timothy, his dear son in the faith. But in case I delay, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. And that, that's what most consider as the theme of Timothy. And I said, well, God, wow, this is, this is really good. And I said, well, it's telling us for this year as well as the years to come, he's, Paul is telling them through Timothy, because he wanted Timothy, to, of course, to teach it and uh, to let the people know, how they ought to conduct themselves in the house of God. Now, we don't have a temple anything that we go through go to we have a a place where we meet as a church but we are the church we are the called out assembly and I want to take that not only from from just the place where we gather and how we ought to conduct ourselves in this place but how should we conduct ourselves In this place. Because we are the temple. Of the living God. How should I conduct myself. In this tabernacle. In this uh, shell. That I'm in. Because. Once you die. You're going to. Live. Forever. But the shell. Is going to die. And we'll get a new one. So. How should we conduct ourselves in this shell? How should we conduct ourselves when we gather together in one place, whether it's this place or whether we used to be in three different places, more than three different places, really, since we, um, since the church was formed way back then. But it doesn't matter where, where the church meets. What matters how we're going to conduct ourselves when we gather together. That's what matters. And that's what I wanted uh, talk about today as a foundation for the message that I'll, I'll do to next week uh, laying forth what is God calling for us to do in 21 how is it going to be any different from 20 as one person was saying uh, that I was reading about he was saying that Everybody was uh, just about was jumping on that twenty 2020 thing because when you look and when you go to the eye doctor, you want twenty twenty vision one way or the other, you know whether it 's through uh, glasses, contacts, uh, surgery for cataracts. Whatever it is, you want 2020. And so he was saying that most people were jumping on that 2020 thing as far as vision is concerned. But now, um, leaders have tended to be wondering, well, what is God saying? I don't want to jump out there and say something and then it's going to be like 2020. I don't want to do that. Uh, But I say that We all can hear from God, whether you are an individual, whether you are married, whether you're not married, have children, whether you are in a job situation that you hire people, you over people, regardless of what the situation is, you can have vision from God if you seek God. But the key thing is to seek God. Because if you don't seek God for your family, then how does your family really know how to move and how to flow and how to stand and how to fight if you don't seek vision for your, your life, number one, your wife if you're married, your children and whole family, men if you have a, have, have a wife, you want to seek God for your marriage. You want to seek God for what is He saying to you? And I'll tell you uh, next week what He's been saying to me about me, my family, about my relationship and with you, yours with me, and what is He saying to us as a called-out assembly here at Cornerstone? What is He saying? And, and the foundation I have been laying the last two messages, and Virgil uh, taught uh, last uh, week on uh, a message that, that falls right in, in, in line uh, with uh, this one, is that we need to be all in. Uh, but what is he saying through Timothy? So now let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Let's start in verse 1. Let's go there. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus according to the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus who is our hope. And I could um, teach, if I were teaching through the book of uh, Timothy, First Timothy, I would Stop at place where it says, God, our Savior, and Jesus Christ was our hope. And say, I thought Jesus Christ was our, our Savior. God was our Father. But we won't go there today uh, when we start teaching through the book. we we'll hit that. But the one I do want to hit in verse 1 is, Jesus Christ, who is our hope. In any year, in any day, Jesus Christ is our hope. It didn't say he's supposed to be our hope. It didn't say he used to be our hope. He didn't, he didn't say he could be our hope. It said that Jesus Christ, who is our hope, that's present. He's our hope. So I don't care what happened in 2020 as far as if we were looking for uh, the government to do something spectacular or whatever the thing is to to bail us out of anything whether it be COVID uh, the virus or whether it be uh, through elections, whether it be whatever it's through, if we're looking for anybody except Jesus Christ to be our hope, we are <laughs> we are putting our hope in the wrong place. Wrong place. Now, God can use our neighbors. He can use um, and we will use. Whoever he wants to use, he's going to definitely use each other, um, your family. But my wife, Minerva, cannot be my hope. I can't be her hope. You can't be my hope. We can't be each other's hope. Jesus Christ is our hope. And we're going to keep that through every single day that we wake up. Who is our hope for today? For today to turn out like, it, like I want it to turn out. Like God says it should come, turn out. <clears throat> if you didn't have hope, if Jesus Christ was not your hope, you wouldn't have kept watching 700 Club and knowing that he prays for people or they, because it's not the same one all the time, and knowing that some people get healed, but a lot of people don't. and You don't know all of them. You don't know anyone unless they give you the testimony on the air. But you would not have kept listening. You would not have kept believing if Jesus Christ was not your hope. You wouldn't. And I know you, so I know you didn't think, that the people they are praying was your hope. is Jesus Christ. He's the hope. Because you said you had your son pray for. You had, uh, you know, you, you've you had prayer a lot of times. We all have prayer pray a lot, lot, lot of times. But my hope can't be when I was in the hospital. Well, I hope Brian and Becky come soon. So I hope I get well because they'll come and pray for me y'all you were, you I I, were not my hope. And I definitely was not your hope. Jesus Christ is our hope. And that's the only reason why you came to the hospital to pray is because you hoped in Christ that he would heal me. That's, that's what we all are doing because our hope is Christ. Let's look at verse 2. To Timothy... A, truth, a true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 3, As I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on in Ephesus, so that you may instruct certain men not to teach. Strange doctrine. Now he was, he, was, he was explaining to to Timothy that there are people there that's trying to deceive you. They are trying to add to what I've taught, because I, I I've, I've taught that the gospel is in Jesus Christ. The gospel is by faith you're saved. It's by grace, through faith. And he's saying that people are adding to this thing and saying that you, well, you need to be circumcised. You need to be this. You need to uh, add to that and this. And that's not true. I want you to teach people to not to teach strange doctrine. And so you had people who wanted to, to teach the law of Moses, but they didn't have any clue about. Uh, what they were doing, it says later on. And so, he's telling them to do that. How does that relate to us, whether it's this year, next year, whenever? We have to know what the gospel is. We have to know what the Bible says. We have to discard anything that doesn't line up with the scripture, and we've had people come to Cornerstone with strange doctrines before. Not many, but we've had a few. We've had had one person who, who came in, and and he was from a background where uh, I met with him, had lunch with him one time, and and asked him questions, and and he said that. Uh, he doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is God. And he teaches people that, uh, that God, the Father, and then Jesus Christ, his son. But not, he's not God, though. And I said, well, hmm. I said, well, we don't teach that. We teach what the Bible says. And he said, well, I believe the Bible. And that's what the Bible says. And he, he, he's the son of God, but he's not, he's not God. And I said, well, look, uh, you're not going to teach that here. And and he said, well, why can't I teach it here? I can, I can teach somebody what I want to teach them. I said, I said, look, don't be deceived. You're coming in visiting and whatever uh, but this is not the work that God has given you he gave the work to me and the ones who are eldering with me but not you so don't you think that you're going to come and teach what you want to you're not going to teach anything other than what we teach here or you're not going to be here I said I wouldn't come to your house because he had he had had, uh, some daughters, also some teenage daughters. I said, I wouldn't come to your house. He was married also. I said, I wouldn't come there and say, hey, uh, whatever your father's teaching you, he's teaching you wrong. Let me teach you what God is saying. I said, would you let me come to your house and do that? He said, no, you wouldn't come to my house doing that. I said, what you think? Why do you think you're going to come to this house that God has gave us, and you're going to teach what you want to teach? So, he lasted about a hot month in the cornerstone. And when he found out that what I said was true, um, he left. Uh, so we've had people who believe differently than what the Bible, that we believe the Bible is saying. So don't think that just because Paul is talking to Timothy about what was going on then that it can't happen now, that people don't want People will come in and and add stuff to the gospel or subtract things from the gospel. No. No. We want to know what the word is saying and we want to live what the word is saying. And so that's what we have to do in 2021, 2022, 2030, however long God has us on this earth, we want to understand that this word is still going to be true. That no one should be coming in to your house teaching strong uh, 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 different doctrine. When you send your children off to college, don't let professors teach strange doctrine to your children and you don't address that. That's not going to be good. Because they will. They will do that uh, in institutions. And don't believe strange doctrines in your temple. You yourself, your your word that you read, should be a filter to what goes into this temple. Another thing, and that that's that that, that was in all the way down to uh, verse. Um, All the way down, verse 10, all all those are still talking about the same thing of what they were teaching. I'm going to jump over uh, verse 5. I want to come back to that. And let's start in um, verse 8. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully so we know that he's talking about some of the Judaizers that the Jewish people wanted to add stuff to the to the the gospel the good news verse 9 realizing the fact that law is not made for a righteous person but for those who are lawless and rebellious and that's interesting for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profaners, for, the, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars, and purchasers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. So you can add a whole lot of other things there. If it's against sound teaching, the law is for those people, but not the righteous ones. And the only way we can be righteous is in Jesus. He is our righteousness. It's according to the glorious gospel of the blessed blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Let's go back to now verse 5. I don't care what what we do. We want to make sure we are in Christ living the way he wants us to live. And it's going to take a lifetime, and we're not going to be finished when we die, of living the way he wants us to live. And I said, well, God, you're going to have to help us every day, not just 2021, every single day of every single year of our lives to fight off the enemy who's trying to, to get us into all of these things and the things that you didn't even name, how can we walk this way? And he's, he's he was saying to me, well, let's look at verse 5. But the goal of our instruction, and he's talking to, again, Timothy. He says, the goal of our instruction is love. Now, that's the goal. So, no matter what we teach in 2021, what we taught in 2020, what we're going to teach years to come, what you uh, need to live by. the I don't care what it is from Genesis to Revelation, the goal of God instructing us through his word, the goal is love. Because remember now, we're talking about, we're reading some, something from someone who, the Apostle Paul now, 26 books, we're talking about the epistles, and talking about who was the one who, who penned most of it. It's going to be, the epistles are going to be the Apostle Paul. And he says that, Timothy, the goal of our instruction, that means Timothy, your goal your goal is to get people the end result now, after everything is said and done, add it up from the beginning, the end is going to be love. The beginning is love. The middle is love. But he says the end of our instruction, I'm trying to instruct you Tempted to instruct the people that the goal of our instruction is love. Don't get it mixed up with anything else. It's love. And that's one of the things that when I was changing the vision um, a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, a year ago, is love God and love all people. That's the vision. And so, "Well, all this stuff in the Bible, it's more elaborate visions than that. Love God and love all people. Because we, we all love somebody. But we don't love everybody. But God says he wants us to love others as he has loved us. So if we love others as he loved us, who does he not love? He gave his son for the whole world. God did. God is love, isn't he? He says the goal is love. I said, okay, the goal is love. That's going to be the foundation that we're all heading towards all the time. Anytime I'm, I'm teaching, anytime anybody's teaching, Virgil, whoever's teaching, we want the, the goal of this instruction, the bottom line, the foundation, everything. No foundation can anybody lay but Jesus Christ. God is love. So we're going to be headed towards Love in everything we do. Everything we we teach. Now, I know and you know that we can't do that apart from him. We know that. But we have a part to play. So what part are we, God wants us, playing in this thing here? He says from a pure heart. And a good conscience. And. Sincere faith. He says in verse 6. For. Some men. straying From these. What these. From a. Pure heart. Good conscience. Sincere faith. straying from your. Go be in love. These things, they turned away aside to fruitless discussions. Well, they did. And I know that God, what I want to do is I want to be fruitful. Because that's what he said, said we're going to do. We have to be fruitful. He's looking for fruit. fruit so we have to be fruitful. So we can't stray away from these. So how can I I make sure I'm headed towards this bottom line, this goal of the Apostle Paul of love? How can I make sure of that? It's okay. The first thing you do is, is start concentrating on these three things that will prevent love. See, if I don't have a pure heart, there's no way I'm going to love you. There's no way I'm going to love Minerva. There's no way I'm going to love anybody but me. Because we always make excuses. We always uh, uh, really uh, have alibis as far as why we do something or why we don't do something. Uh, but there is no alibi. We have to get this hard. Pure. Now what does what is he talking about when it says a a pure heart? He's talking about a clean heart. He's talking about getting all the all the, all that pollutes the heart, which sin does. Get that which pollutes the heart out of it. Get it out. Because you want a, a pure, a clean heart. That's okay. You're gonna have to help me do that too. Because I don't know who's in this heart. A lot of times I'm, I'm thinking that that I have a pure heart. And he says that, "Why are you doing this that you're doing?" I said, "Well, because I want this uh, to happen." H- have you ever have you ever blessed somebody, and you really didn't want to bless them, but you blessed them in a way? Okay, I have I have a few along with me, and uh, but. I know that sometimes you do things, and, but, you, but we're doing them for the wrong reason. That's, that's the key thing. What's my motive of doing this? Is it really selfishness on my part? Because a lot of things that we do, uh, we're doing them because it will benefit us. Have, have you noticed sometimes that that we treat the people in our own household sometimes a little worse than we treat someone who's not in our ho- household and we're trying to impress? And I know when I'm, my girls are growing up sometimes, uh, they, they could be having a disagreement among themselves and then Somebody call when I'm on the phone, and they're, they 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 just they raising the voice at each other, and, and then they ask for hello. You say, "What? <laughs> I thought you were upset with your sister," and you say, "Hello." Like I a "Oh my goodness gracious," you know. Uh, but sometimes we do that. But God wants us to be the same inside our house, outside our house at work, at church. Because if you're any different at home than you are here, something is wrong. And I say, well, we have to kind of start purifying this heart, find out with God, well, what God it about me, and God will show it to us. Through the Holy Spirit, he will show us the impurities that's in our heart. A good conscience Because I don't want my conscience seared as with a hot iron. I I don't want to, you know, be callous because sometimes I get that way when you're fed up with a person or with things or whatever, with people, and you get callous and you don't want to uh, be nice to them, don't want to be around them. And things like that. God help us to have a good conscience so that we know right from wrong and we're able to come to you and say, God, you know, what I said to this person was not right. They don't they don't think I said anything wrong, because I, I mean they don't know what my motive was, but I want to have a clean conscience a good conscience towards you, so I ask you to forgive me for that. That's like sometimes, I don't know whether you have been a hypocrite in some areas, but I have. And God wants us to get the hypocrisy out because it it hinders our heart from being pure and us to have a a good conscience. And so I don't want to put on airs. You know, I, I don't want to be a fake. I want to be real, genuine. That's what I want to be, genuine, real. No pretense. And I know it's going to take a work of God to do that. But that's the only way we're going to have agape. It's the only way we're going to have the God kind of love, the love he's talking about, because that's what it is, agape. Uh, is we got to purify this heart. We have to have a good conscience so that we, we, we you know God is helping us to be very with the Holy Spirit. And it says, and sincere faith. Which is no pretense. No pretense. And that's what hinders me from having faith a lot of time in God is that I get discouraged because of things not going my way. And see, selfishness will hinder a lot of things. It's going to hinder love. And you're not going to be to love like you want to love people because you have expectations of people that they can't meet. They can't meet your expectations. I can't meet your expectations. And you found that out a long time ago. But but you can't meet mine. None of us can meet each other's expectations. But see, if we are going to love like God is calling us to love, we're going to have to have a pure heart. We're going to have to have a good conscience. We're going to have sincere belief in God. Don't be saying that I go to church, you know, and, and I love God and, and you know, I'm born again and all the nice words that we say because we've learned what to say. No. We want to have sincere faith, not fake faith, because if I have trust in God, it's going to get rid of fear. I mean, because perfect love casts out fear. And only time usually... Uh, I start having, um, let's say, expectations of you that I shouldn't have is when I don't have faith in God like I should have. And if you understand what I'm what I'm saying. Uh, let's say that, uh, let's, let's give you real examples. I mean, that, that's, are you all okay for being real? It's like we know that we don't have everybody here that's supposed to be here because of uh, the COVID situation and, and you know, all, all the situations that go with that. Uh, so you can watch it online and all those type of things like that. And uh, we're not as large of a congregation as we used to be about 15 years ago. Ten years ago, uh, we were the largest uh, when we were over on Park Avenue. And we didn't even have a a parking space except for the the little lot behind us that belonged to that other house behind us and us. That's the only thing. So we had to use the park across the street, had to use the Salvation Army, um, had to use the street when things were going on in the park. But we had uh, more people. Uh, that time than we have now and I could say and think why don't you do more than you are doing because we don't have the people here yet that supposed to be here that can do some of the things that take the load off you so why don't you do more well you might be doing all you can do. And so why should I expect you to do more? Because my expectation is based on I need you to do more, to help me. Do you understand that selfishness? That's not good expectation. That's not faith. I'm talking about now sincere faith. I'm talking about I'm talking about real faith, genuine faith. No hypocrisy. Because if I trust God, we sing we can we, we sing songs we can we can say nice little catches that God, all I need is in you. Well, it's true. It's true. But you're saying it because, I'm saying it because, yes, it's true, but I don't really believe it. It's really in him because he's leaving it up to me to do something or to get you to do something. No. God doesn't need me to do anything. He doesn't need you to do anything. Now, if you believe that that oh he needs me, then you're deceived. Okay, God doesn't need us; He wants us, but He's not going. He, he He doesn't need us. Believe me, scripturally, it says it. He doesn't. He doesn't he's not lacking in anything; otherwise, He wouldn't be God. Okay? So, I want to have sincere faith, real faith, not. Hypocrite faith that I want to pretend that I like you. Because I see, I I know the scripture that says uh, a gift makes room for you. That's scripture. Do you understand that? It is scripture. It's in the Bible. And it's true. But now... If I give you a gift because I want you to do something for me, that is not sincere. That is not a pure heart. That is hypocrisy. I'm doing one thing, but I'm doing it for the wrong reason. And I'm not really, I really don't, I'm not doing it because. I think you're just great. I'm doing it because I need you. Now, that's not true. But I'm saying that I could be because I recently have given gifts to people in the congregation. But I gave it because I really truly believe that God told me to do that through my wife. And I had to agree with it. Because uh, just because she tells me this I'm, uh, I'm self, I don't do it unless I want to do it. So, uh, but <coughs> if it's God talking to her, which it was, uh, she said, well, well, "Why don't you do something? Do something for the worship team?" I said, "Yeah, that's good. That's good." And we did. But it was for the right reason. It was not because. If if we don't have a worship team, we we can't sing. I had to play, you know, play a cassette or something. (laughs) And they don't even make them anymore, you know. So, (laughs) so, uh, so, uh, but I truly believe that the worship team has been so faithful through these years. I mean, we don't have no young bucks up here, you know. I mean, they not—they uh, not know, you know, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 31, you know. Uh, most of them are seasoned saints, and they've been doing this a long time. Can you say amen, Stella? <laughs> oh, y'all, you, you I mean, we have. But they are good. They are good, and, and I tell you is that they need to be appreciated by us as a body. Need to be appreciated. And so God said, Why don't you do that to for everybody who's in a in a ministry? You know, if the if the family's in a ministry, give something to the family. So so that's what I I've, I've been doing and that's what I'm still doing because I appreciate you. I appreciate you. The elders appreciate you. They really do. So but do, do you understand the, the example? I'm getting being being real. That's what we could we could we could do. You could also say, "Hey, John, he's giving us his his bread because he wants us to do more." You know that 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 thought gonna come. Why did that thought come to you? Why would it come to you? Because the enemy. The enemy does not want. You to have a pure heart, have a good conscience, have sincere faith. He doesn't want you to love like Jesus loves, so he's going to try to get you to think bad of what somebody's doing. Have you ever done that? Somebody give you something, you say, oh, they just give it to me you know, because uh, they want me to do something for them. And we, we do it to our, to our children sometimes. You know, especially if they're out of town, they call, hi, mom, hi, dad, how you doing? What you want? You know, (laughs) I know you want something, you know, usually call what you want. So I'm trying to let us know today that what we want to do in this temple, in this place, our called out assembly, we want to start thinking rightly. About one another. We want to start treating. One another. Like Jesus says we should treat one another. Like he treats us. Heaven forbid. If we treat. Others. Like we want to treat them. But not like Jesus treats them. And we're supposed to be Jesus' representative. So. If he loved us. When we are impure of heart, we have a bad conscience, have fake faith. He still loved us and died for us. Why in the world can't we think the best of everybody? Because isn't that what the Bible says? That's what it says. First Corinthians. Love, chapter, love thinks the best of a person. And see, most of the time, me, I have to fight that and not think the worst of a person because that's our human fleshly tendency, especially if we don't like the person too much. If we love the person, like our children, we're going to think the best of them, even when they're not doing the best. We're still going to think the best of them. A mother, would, a prisoner, do and, and did things that deserve prison. Oh, he's a good boy. You see him on TV, he said, "Oh, he's a good boy." Hey, he's terrible, <laughs> but you can still love him because he's terrible. But you know, don't say he's a good boy. Come on. But Jesus thinks that he he died for him, didn't he? He died for people in prison. He died for him. So I want us to, to do that this year, and that's the, just a foundation that we'll build on next next week because I want us to love because that's what the apostle said, love, love. That's the, that's the bottom line of all my instruction, Timothy. And that's what I want the bottom line to be, all of your instruction. Love from a pure heart. And whatever you think that you want somebody to do for you, you do for them. The Word says that too. The Word tells us everything, but we have to stop nullifying the Word with our, the way we think. And we've got to start thinking rightful because we want to be different. Lord, knows I want us to be different. I want to be different. I want to show you my true, genuine faith in God that I don't care what you do, what you don't do. I don't care uh, what. I'm going to love you anyway because Jesus does. And that's why I want you thinking about each other and about uh me about Sam, about all of us we want you to we want you to do that and so that's the message for today is that let twenty twenty one twenty two twenty three twenty four twenty five um is to me <laughs> uh you you're here next week when, when i believe so I won't get into that but I tell you, I want to be different. I want to be different. And I, I want to love you like Christ loves you with a sincere heart. With you know genuine, genuine faith and a pure conscience. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church.